The South African energy crisis escalated this week as ESCOM implemented stage six load shedding in the early hours of Sunday morning. The utility is struggling to meet electricity demand and rolling blackouts were once again the order of the day. In July, President Cyril Ramaphosa announced government interventions to stabilize electricity supply, but it's clear South Africans are going to need patience before this happens. I'm Catherine Rice, a journalist for News24's multimedia department, and you're listening to The Story, where we talk to journalists about the biggest story of the week. This week, we're talking to investigative journalist for News24, Kyle Cowan, and later we'll talk to News24 financial journalist, Carol Payton. Kyle, thank you for your time. Kyle, the last time we had stage six load shedding was in June. Did you expect this to happen so soon after that round? Why is it back? No, I didn't expect it to be back now, particularly in summer. You know, in in summer, South Africa doesn't need as much electricity. And usually what happens when the weather starts to get warmer is that ESCOM takes this big breath of relief and they start fixing units. They start taking more and more of its of their generating units out um, out of service to to do maintenance that they weren't able to do during the winter months because of how constrained the system is. And to explain what I mean by constraint, how con, you know by constraints is it's it's very simple. South Africa had a peak demand for electricity on Sunday, the 18th of September, of 26,000 megawatts, and ESCOM was only able to produce around about 20,000 megawatts. Um, in winter, that peak demand is about 33,000 on very cold winter nights when we all switch on our heaters at the same time, and. Because ESCOM knows that in winter a lot more electricity is used, they don't fix units as much in winter. They let them run and they let them carry on because they they don't want to, you know, have massive amounts of load shedding during winter. So in the summer, you don't expect this, but it has happened now. And the reason for it is very simple. Between the 3rd and the 18th of September, ESCOM experienced 99 breakdowns or tr- unit trips at, you know, across its power stations around the country. Um, to give you an idea of, of cont- contextually what that means, in 2017-2016, which was allegedly a good year for ESCOM, across its entire fleet for the entire year, it only had 340-odd unit trips and breakdowns. So ESCOM has had a really terrible September. The first two weeks of this month have been really bad. And the result of all of these breakdowns is obviously, you know, ESCOM fixes a breakdown as it goes along, as it can. And they weren't able to fix all of those breakdowns very quickly because some of them were quite serious. And that resulted in stage six load shedding and now still stage five load shedding, you know, prevailing. On Sunday, the ESCOM CEO, Andre Dureta, held a media briefing and said there is a risk that load shedding could move past stage six. What would that mean? What would stage eight look like? So for us, as you know, if you're sitting in your house and your power's off right now while you're listening to this, um, you know, in Johannesburg, for example, we have during stage six load shedding, we have two blocks of two and a half hours and then one block of four hours that our power is off every single day. So it's, you know, 10 hours without electricity every day. Stage eight looks much similar, except there's an additional two hours added to each of those blocks. So you'll be without power for 12 to 14 hours a day. This is sort of the the last crisis point for ESCOM. If stage eight load shedding is implemented, they don't have plans for stages beyond stage eight. There's literally nothing on paper that is called stage 9, 10, 11, or 12. 
But what the writer said that made me even more worried about, you know, the possibility of stage eight load shedding has existed for years now. What he said that really worried me was that not only were we on stage six, but because of our emergency reserves. Now, the emergency reserves are diesel-powered um, open-cycle gas turbines called Gariko and Ankerlich. Uh, one is near Mossel Bay and the other is near Cape Town. And then we have two very big pumped storage schemes called Ingula and Drakensberg. Now, the pumped storage schemes use water to generate electricity. You know, the water runs from an upper to a lower dam and the flow of the water generates electricity. They use those in peak periods to sort of like try and, you know, stave off the worst levels of load shedding or to prevent load shedding altogether if they can. And what he said was that 6,000 megawatt. This is the, the, these emergency reserves, the pump storage and the diesel turbines is 6,000 megawatt. That's six stages of load shedding, you know, give or take. What he said is that if those reserves are not available, it's stage 12 load shedding in effect. Imagine that. Then you're looking at more than 14 hours a day without electricity every single day at your home or your business. The impact on the economy would be massive and disastrous it would be catastrophic to use the word that was that was bandied about by some escom people it's almost unimaginable but carl is there a possibility of a grid collapse and if that were to happen how long would it take to restore electricity so this is always the concern um you know when you when when you're sitting without power for so many so many hours and you know it happens quite often in Joburg when when they switch the power back on again you know a substation trips or there's a cable that's been stolen or something like that and you always fear the worst you always think oh dear you know what if what if a, a section of the grid completely collapses but what the listeners have to bear in mind is that load shedding is implemented to prevent system collapse Think about it this way. An electricity grid runs at a certain frequency, 50 hertz. And if you place more demand on that grid than there is actually electricity being fed into it, that's when your grid will collapse. That's when everything will stop working and power stations and the components of those power stations will probably suffer immense and severe damage that would take weeks if not months to repair. So load shedding is implemented to prevent that overload, to prevent that collapse, because ESCOM knows down to you know a couple of megawatt usually, they can predict very, very well how much electricity is going to be needed today, tomorrow, next week. They 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 have it so mapped out, and you know the, the system operator, the office of the system operator, have some really really clever people that can actually tell you down to to an to the hour, you know, next week how much power they think is going to be used, and they're usually very very accurate. So while load shedding is massively inconvenient and causes massive damage to the economy and cost to the economy, we as South Africans must realize that yes, it's it's not nice, but it's ESCOM saving us from even bigger trouble. And we should be alarmed every time there's load shedding because it means that effectively our system is so broken that ESCOM is having to take these drastic, drastic steps to prevent a complete blackout. I mean, Carl, you've written about, you know, how ESCOM was once sort of hailed as this top, you know, electricity supplier. Tell me about that. I mean, there's sort of the history of ESCOM. It really has fallen quite far and the damage to the economy it's done has been quite severe so so what what has happened why are we in this position so this is a very complex question but i'll try and explain it in in you know broad sweep so 
In 2001, ESCOM was voted at the Financial Times Global you know, Awards in New York as the best power utility in the world. And this was voted by its peers, by other power companies, also from all over the world. And arguably, ESCOM was doing a very, very good job back then. But the writing was already on the wall. And the reason why I say this is very simple. In 1998, on the 2nd of December 1998 to be exact, the South African cabinet uh, approved a white paper on energy that said that we need to make an investment decision. So, i.e., we need to make a decision to spend a lot of money on building new generation capacity, i.e., new power stations, by the very next year, by 1999. Because our projections show that by four, you know, by 2007, with electricity demand growing by 4% every year, we will run out of generation capacity. And of course, what happened was the, the ANC government at the time delayed for almost six years in making that decision. The decision was only actually taken to start building new capacity around 2004, 2005. And then the final business case, you know, the, the actual documentation drawn up around how much it's going to cost, how are they going to build, what are they going to build, was only finalized in mid-2007. So then, of course, what happens is the first load shedding hits South Africa. And former President Thabo Mbeki in December of 2007 at a fundraising dinner in Bloemfontein actually stands up and says, you know, we should have listened to ESCOM. I'm sorry. When ESCOM told us we need to build more power stations, we said to them, not now, later, because you are actually only going to build surplus capacity. The reason why ESCOM was saying 4% a year growth was because of, a, you know, South Africa's history, as everyone knows, has this this massive, you know, problem with apartheid. And during apartheid, massive amounts of South Africans were excluded from the electricity grid completely, simply because they were not white and not living in the suburbs of, of some towns and cities. And the ANC, when it came to power, recognized that as a basic human right, everyone deserves access to electricity. So something like 2.5 million households were connected to the grid or, you know, in 1998, they were estimating 2.5 million were going, was going to be connected to the grid in the next couple of years. And this is what created this, you know, massive growth in electricity demand. Yes, it needed to be done. It needed, it had to happen. No one is questioning that. The problem is, is that the ANC didn't make a decision to build the new power stations. So what is the effect of that? You know, you wait eight years to finally start commissioning new power stations. So, of course, that's where Madupi and Kusile and Ingula, the one-pump storage scheme that I was talking about earlier, as well as Khoriko and Ankerlich, the two diesel turbines, that's where the, those power stations are born. And Khoriko and Ankerlich are built within record time, within two years. And great, now South Africa has about 2,000 megawatts of, of emergency generation capacity, but it costs an enormous amount of money to run these open cycle gas turbines because they burn diesel fuel. Um, to give you an idea, in the first five months of this fun current financial year, ESCOM has spent almost 8 billion rand on diesel at these, these open cycle gas turbines. So these power stations are born and they're due to be completed by 2015, 2016 and bring massive amounts of power onto the grid. But that doesn't happen. Of course, we all know Madupi and Kusile are massively delayed and costs are almost, almost double at 300 billion rand. And there's corruption left, right and center. And it just causes, um, you know, these, these two power stations that were supposed to save the country's, you know, energy crisis turn out to be, not that. They're, they're not our savior. They are just another blot on, you know, on ESCOM's history. And yes, 
they are running now, but they're not running how they're supposed to run because that delay in making the decision to build these power stations means that the design period was too short. So there were defects in the designs. So when these things were eventually built, they figured out, oh no, the boilers are too short. They're getting too hot at the top. We have to fix this. And they had to retrospectively go and fix a bunch of boilers that had already been built. And with Kusile, which is still not yet complete, those boilers will be built, you know, to the new specifications. But this is how this happens. And then because you're sitting with a situation where you don't have enough capacity to actually meet energy demand, your existing infrastructure, your coal-fired power stations specifically, most of which were built in the 1970s and 1980s, they're getting quite old now, are running extremely, extremely hard. You are pushing them far beyond in what you know the chief operations officer of, of ESCOM, Jan Uberdorser, sort of calls their design parameters. You are running them much, much harder than what other units around the world are being pushed just to meet demand and prevent load shedding. And with these highly technical machines, what happens is over many, many years that they start to develop unreliability traits. They become unreliable. They break down all the time. And that is exactly where we find ourselves now. These units were pushed too hard for too long due to political decisions, due to bad policy decisions. And we are now reaping the benefit of that. We as a country are now facing you know, a situation where our power stations can barely be switched on sometimes without breaking down immediately again. South Africans have had enough now. People are angry. And some people think sabotage could be a factor contributing to load shedding. What do you think about that? So I've written a book with the title of Sabotage. So I, I believe completely that, that, that sabotage at ESCOM is real. However, in this case, there isn't any evidence that there was you know, and when I say this case, I mean the load shedding that we're having right now. There isn't any empirical evidence to show that there was some level of sabotage behind, you know, br- these units breaking down. And in fact, you know, in, in speaking about my book, I have repeatedly said that I think one of the greatest acts of sabotage against ESCOM has been the ANC's bad policy decisions and the way that they have, you know, sent people to manage the utility. For example, during the 2010 Soccer World Cup, you know, just before the World Cup, there was this policy introduced of keep the lights on. And and it appears that ESCOM did just that. They kept the lights on at a massive cost to reliable energy supply today. And this is the kind of thing when you think about sabotage, we shouldn't always think about, you know, someone throwing a bolt into a nuclear reactor, for example, or cutting down a pylon to, to make sure that load shedding gets worse. Sometimes the sabotage is in the boardroom or in, you know, the halls of power and people not thinking about what ESCOM needs to survive in the future. Thank you so much for your time and for those insights. That was Kyle Cowan, Senior Investigative Journalist for News24. We're now joined by News24's financial specialist journalist, Carol Payton. Carol, the president announced a raft of interventions in July. What are they and how close are we to achieving them? Well, there are really two categories of interventions. The one is to fix ESCOM, to take measures to fix ESCOM, and the other is to get more megawatts onto the grid as fast as possible. So when it comes to fixing ESCOM, one of the things they say they've done is they have recruited some old staff because we know ESCOM doesn't have enough skills. So they have managed to do that, and they've got 18 
managers, artisans in the power plants helping to mentor people. But when it comes to actually fixing the EAF, the, the energy availability factor, I think we're in for a very, very long haul. And it was quite interesting when ESCOM did their price application um, update this week. Um, whereas before they, they said, uh, you know, a year ago, they said, well, we think we'll have 72% of our plants running most of the time. They've now said, well, we're anticipating that that will be 59%. So fixing ESCOM is a very, very long way off. And, and I think there are increasing doubts as to the extent to which it can be fixed or whether it's just a case of managing its decline. That's the thing. We've been experiencing load shedding now for, I think it's 12 years already. South Africans are, are going to have to require patience, but how many years are we looking at for there to be some sort of light at the end of the tunnel? I think we're looking at, look, we're looking at at least two years for reduced load shedding. So two years because there are some procurements in the, on, in the pipeline, there are new solar plants being built, there are new wind farms being built by the private sector and by private producers. So it'll be about two years before um, we start to feel the benefit of those. And I, that will not be enough, though, to end load shedding. So I think that, you know, maybe, and this, and this depends that everybody gets everything right and everybody does what they're supposed to do. So, so to date, we found government, you know, taking an incredibly long time to do, to do anything. So, you know, I would say you, we are, if, for, if we're talking about a shortage of 4,000 to 6,000 megawatts, we are talking probably to end load shedding completely four years, provided that everyone does everything they're supposed to do and does it on time. Carol, ESCOM's applied to the energy regulator, NURSA, to hike tariffs by 32% from April next year. This has, of course, added a lot of fuel to the outrage of South Africans. How likely is that increase to happen? I really don't think they'll get 32%. You know, they, they, they seldom get what they ask for. So if you remember, I think for, for the last year, starting sort of 1st of April and 1st of July for municipalities this year, they asked for 20.5% and they got 96 So basically what happens is Inersa looks at at you know all of the things they say that they they anticipating spending money money on, and decides whether is this justifiable, is this fair, is this rational, is this you know not wastage, and then they decide. So I, I definitely don't think they'll get thirty two percent, but um, I think we're looking at 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 a high uh, yeah ten ten minimum ten percent. I'd I'd say. What is this doing to the economy? I mean, just how bad is the damage? Well, it's destroying the economy. It's destroying economic growth. It's putting people out of business. It's making business so much more expensive to do, which threatens the sustainability of businesses. I think the estimate is that um, at the moment, I think for every stage of load shedding, for every day of every stage of load shedding, where the, it costs the, the economy $500 million. Um, that's what is lost to uh, the GDP in terms of production and 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 so on. So we're using we're losing billions. The GDP is being shaved off by billions every day as we go through this very intense period of load shedding. And then, of course, you know, economies their population is growing, 
And so economies need to grow and they need to, you know, they need to meet the needs of the population, especially as far as employment goes. And that is just simply not happening because you're not going to come and set up a business, even a small business. Um, you're going to think twice about doing that um, when you don't have a secure electricity supply, but very particularly for a big business like a mine or some sort of industry, um, the electricity constraint is, is huge. It's a huge um, dampener on investment. We're certainly in for a rough ride, and thank you for your reporting on this. Carol Payton, News24 specialist, finance journalist. That's all we have time for this week. I'm Catherine Rice. Join us again next week for the story.